The Weekly Driver Podcast is presented by americantrucks.com. americantrucks.com is staffed by passionate professionals who thrive to provide you with the best Ford F-150, Dodge Ram 1500, Chevrolet Silverado 1500, and GMC Sierra 1500 aftermarket parts and accessories, all available at the best prices. Visit www.americantrucks.com. The Weekly Driver podcast also gets support from the podcast Off Track. James Hinchcliffe and Alexander Rossi, top drivers in the Verizon IndyCar series, are co-hosts of the Pop Culture and General Interest Sports podcast. They provide unique perspectives as drivers racing their way to the upper echelon of open-wheel racing. Guests include top performers in many industries, including John Green, Pat McAfee, Tony Stewart, and Jeff Ross. Hincliffe and Rossi, who have also been reality TV stars, discuss their whirlwind schedule and provide racing updates. Listen to Off Track today on Apple iTunes and on all other major podcast platforms. Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group. My colleague and co-host is Bruce Aldrich. And today, as a very special guest, we have... Uh, very skilled, very versatile uh, race car driver, Joey Hand from Sacramento. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, how are you doing today, Joey? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, I noticed that right away that you have, uh, you've done a lot of different racing, but you a good place to start today would be you have an event coming up in uh, Northern California, Central California, Laguna Seca. Uh, I'm very familiar with the, that racetrack, as I'm sure you are. What kind of event is that in early September, and can you tell us a little bit about racing at Laguna Seca? Yeah, well, you know, we're coming up on uh, our, our IMSA WeatherTech race series is going to be there um, in just two weeks, next weekend, I guess, and um, it's our it's it's only two races to go for us, so it's our second to last race. It's been quite the quite the season so far. We've had, I tell you, we've had real ups and downs. We've won a couple races. Actually, between in our team, our two-car team, uh, at, uh, the 67 GT and the 66 GT, which is us, we've won five out of eight races. So we've had a really strong season, but it's either uh, our sister car wins or we win, and then we've had some issues, and they've had some issues. So we're actually, even with that many wins, we're sitting second and third in the championship. Um, but we're close, totally close enough to, to win this deal with a couple good races. It's uh, it's tough competition. You know, we race in the, in the GT uh, Lamar class, and um, you're racing. We're racing against the Corvettes, the Ferraris, uh, BMWs, Porsches, and then R24 GTs. And it's quite. It's always quite a battle. It's all factory drivers, all factory teams, factory backed by the by the manufacturers. So the level is super, super high. Um, and that's why you know going to a race, which Laguna Seca is my home race. Um, that home home track advantage is always a little little something you can always use you know i got a lot of friends and family coming down um and uh it's a track i know really well but i gotta tell you guys i haven't won there if you can believe that i haven't won at my own home track on the, on the schedule i've got second many times it's just one of those ones that just eluded me so uh really looking forward to to getting back down there having a chance to you know possibly win that race but uh like i said i you you know it i i know the track it's one of those tracks that people would you know fly from across the world to see and especially to drive it's, it's not like easy track to get laps on because there's so few a days that you can run there yes um 
that you know not a lot of people have, have driven Laguna Seca if if not on a simulator. So my son's already practicing up on it. We're doing a little practice here with our simulator, to make sure we know uh, exactly which which way all those corners go. Um, obviously, you're familiar with the track, and and Bruce has been there many times. I've been there many times for all different kinds of events through the years, including bicycle racing, which uh, they had uh, yeah. a, a professional bike. I a lap on a bicycle. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And that is not easy. No. I did it when my son was in the back, in the, uh, in one of the little carry seats in the back. He was really, he's like a baby. <laughs> they said, oh, let's just do a lap around here. And I uh, I got to halfway up to the course and I was like, yeah, this was a bad idea. <laughs> impressive to see the people that did it. Yeah, so it, for people who aren't familiar with Laguna Seca, um, I used to want to say Mazda Raceway, and now I realize it's WeatherTech. But um, yeah. people who don't know that track, and you mentioned Corkscrew, that's what I was going to ask about. Could you give us some kind of a general overview of of the turns and the corks, the famous Corkscrew at, at Laguna Seca, and what that what that is for a race car driver to make uh, those kind of maneuvers on on a track like that that's world famous. Yeah, I mean Laguna Seca is, is one of those places. You know, for the people that, that are listening. Uh, there's it's a great place to watch it's actually a great spectators track because it's on you know there's there's a hillside that you can see in most of the racetrack from uh just by standing up that's where i sent all my family and friends and it's a it's it's one of those just cool american racetracks that's built on the topography of the land i mean it's it's in between you know a couple canyons down there you know like just over from carmel valley yes not far from monterey i mean my kids and family go to the aquarium all the time um, there's wineries and stuff, so I mean, it's just this—it's this really great place to have a racetrack. Which tell, I'm telling you, we drive at a lot of racetracks that are near nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so when you're going to Sega, there's a lot of cool stuff to be around. But on top of that, it's one of the greatest designed and and you know racy tracks that there that there are in the country, even in the world. Um, you know, the, the the big thing everybody knows is is what you said—the corkscrew. Um, there's not a lot of straightaways at Laguna Seca. There's a lot of corners. And you climb all the way from turn three, four. You climb all the way up. You're on an uphill climb through five, through six, all the way to seven and eight, which is the corkscrew. Um, and then from that point, you drop down at a very high rate. I mean, you literally drop off an edge like a, like a double black diamond, you know, uh, ski run. Yes. Just drop off the edge and head down. And the car accelerates so fast. I mean, you're going with the corkscrew in first maybe second gear but if you're in first gear you're pulling second as you jump off the top of it and you're just going through gears as fast as you pull them second third fourth fifth and then you're already into this this fast section which is turn nine which is where you can start to see the cars if you're standing on the hill come back down it's it's turn nine is downhill still at a high rate you're, you're falling fast and you're going fast um and there's you know the track's not very wide at the exit so you know, it finishes up getting down um, turn 11, uh, right at the right at the entrance to the pit lane, and then onto the front straightaway. And it's just uh, it's one of those places that you you know explaining if you haven't seen it in person, you just can't understand it. You know, my friends that hadn't been there, um, they stood at the bottom of the corkscrew just as you come over. Yes. And just so impressive the amount of feet you lose so quickly for for a racetrack. I mean, it's it's nothing like it in the world. Um, and that's why it's such a famous place. I always say a corner that uh, a corner that doesn't get as much uh, doesn't get talked about as much, and I call it the toughest corner in racing is turn six, the corner just before the corkscrew as you head up to the corkscrew. Yes, it is a very tricky corner, one that you can get one out of three times right. Um, 
but it's so important because it leads to an uphill, a very steep uphill straightaway. So there's just so many things going on at that track that, um, and there's not a lot of time to to re- to relax, to take a breath because there's not very many straightaways. So it's a it's a it's a tough track. It's physical. Uh, it's mentally demanding. Um, just a cool place. I mean, it, it definitely it'll definitely separate uh, the group if you don't know the place and you, and somebody does. You can definitely have an advantage. Right. You've raced at a lot of what you what you call cool places, and I agree. Sure. Like uh, uh, Daytona, Le Mans, um, the whole European circuit, right? Hockenheim yeah. and and all those. German touring cars took me around some pretty Moscow, Amsterdam, all over the place. Yeah. What uh, What are your favorite tracks? Obviously, your your hometown track is in your heart. But what what other ones do you like? Yeah, my favorite all my all time favorite racetrack in all the world that I've driven, Road America. One of the best laps in racing, and even on a simulator or a video game, you know, people are always like, "This is such a fun, fun lap," and you don't even have to be racing anybody. It's just, it just is a cool. Every time I come on the front straight at Road America, I'm like, "Yeah, I get to do another one." <laughs> and I'll tell you, not every place gives you that sensation when you're testing or something. You kind of you get bored of it, like, "Okay, this is this is cool," but now I'm over it. Road America. It's always a fun lap, and it always produces great racing because of the long straightaways and 90-degree corners. It has a little bit of everything. Um, definitely no, no question about it, my favorite track. But another one stands out to me, I mean, we have so many in the U.S. of what I call these these proper American tracks. Like, you know, VIR is a good one. Middle Ohio I love. that. You know, these tracks are built on the topography of the land. Uh-huh. That's what I think is cool. But same on the same page, um, the track that I, I liked the most in Europe was Zandvoort, which is just on the coast, just over the sand dunes from the ocean in, in Amsterdam. And uh, super old school track, ups and downs. I mean, literally, you're driving, you're, your topography is the sand dunes. So fast, really, really fun, racy track. That, that one was my favorite when I was traveling around Europe. How much does uh, the simulator play in these days to... Uh lap times and and you know staying sharp and whatnot uh i've heard of uh video but simulators like the next step right simulators next step yeah and you know when i say simulator here at home i don't have anything crazy like we got some some seats and wheels and and pedals and and we drive it on a tv screen um but you know it's it you know it gets you going you know okay turn one's right turn two's left i mean nowadays the tracks that we run around here i know them so well because i've been racing them for a long time if it's a track you've never been to it's a great it's a uh, a great tool to have obviously um but still for me i'll do a little bit of driving just to get reacclimated to get my mind thinking about uh the corners that i have coming up and and things that i could do to to be quicker but um Ford performance, Ford performance, and most of the big manufacturers have really nice simulators, and, and we do do some stuff with Ford at in Charlotte, and that is a proper one. A moving, you're sitting in a cockpit, like they have a, they have our cockpit bolted to the simulator. It moves around, kind of like a ride you do at Universal Studios, you know, like the, sure. the 3D rides. You know, um, I remember the Back to the Future ride at Universal <laughs> Studios, like something like that. So where it makes you. It gives you sensations. The belts pull on you. They have little motors that make the belts tug when you hit the brakes. Uh, you have you know high speed vibrations, low speed movements, and they they've done so much. It's crazy what they've done with simulators. It's still 
it makes it better. We can do some chassis tuning stuff. We can actually, you know, tell the computer we're changing springs and actually learn some stuff that we can use on the racetrack just by all the data they put in. But it still misses one thing, that seat of the pants, you know, sliding sideways, yaw, all that stuff. It's still, you still miss a little bit, but uh, it's come a long ways, and they're not slowing down with these simulators. They're getting better and better and better. It's a lot cheaper than driving a car around. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that is the thing. I mean, doing if you do the math on what the track rental is, what the engine, uh, you know, cost per mile is, tires at who knows what that set of tires is, you know, you start adding that stuff up on a regular basis. And, yeah, a simulator sitting in a room, if you can make it good enough to, to, actual, to actually get data that works on a racetrack, it's absolutely cheaper. Do you actually, on, on that simulator, um, do you actually try to push it? At, at times just for fun to, to see what happens where you would go off in a turn or how fast too oh, fast is oh yeah we do that yeah we do that it's just it's so it's so weird you know we've talked about this as, as some of our teammates it's so weird how you know even though you know there's no risk um, it, it's just it's not your, your, your brain is so tuned in and, and they've got you in a setting that makes you feel like you're in the race car you know like in the cockpit it's sure you still don't do things like you still don't just push the brake zones and lock up and slide off the track you just don't have it in you you know you're so programmed as a race car driver to to hit your marks that you just keep you keep trying but for sure if there's a place you're going to take some <laughs> bigger <laughs> risk where i want to do it especially at uh, <laughs> you know trying to flat the s's at vir or something like that where yeah if you do it wrong in the real life you might walk away with a limp right. and simulator they just hit reset Sure. I, we we were doing a little bit of research earlier, uh, and and Bruce uh, went on to this website, and I'm sure you know where I'm going to go with this. We we went on big the, the, the big crash and uh, <laughs> in the Grand M uh, BMW, and I think the guy counted eight flips, nine flips, whatever it was. Endos. Endos. And in that same question. Um, I don't know how to say this, but what it has, has you, does your son watch it? And, and what do you tell a son or friends or any relations and, and they see a crash like that? Um, how do you deal with that, if you don't mind the question that everybody else asks, of the dangers of your sport? Yeah, I mean, you know, that was a very popular uh, video that YouTube still is. I mean, literally, I, I was in a golf tournament just um, on Monday, and I probably had four people come to me and say, I've seen your wreck. And... You know, the race weekends I signed autographs and people were like, I'll never forget that wreck. I was there or I've seen it. You know, so it was, it's, people know me for that wreck and, uh, you know, I was, they say I was infamous or yes. famous for it. Yes. Either way, I don't know which one's right. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, the, the dangers are there. And I think my son, he's seen it. Um, he doesn't tend, he definitely doesn't like pull it up and watch it. But, you know, his friends, I've heard his friends talk to him about it and say, oh, I saw your dad in this wreck. And, I don't know. I've never really asked him. I mean, he continues to race, and he continues to want to race. Uh, my daughter seems to be more. She doesn't like to see that stuff. She's like, she's two years younger. She's a sweetheart, and she's like, nope, don't want to, don't want to see daddy wrecking. That's not what I want to see. So, you know, I mean, everybody has a different way of dealing with it. I, this is all I've done all my life. I started racing. When I was, you know, basically when I started, I was twelve. Just when I was just about turned twelve, and. Um, I've done nothing else. I, I taught driving schools when I was a kid to pay for some racing and traveling, and you know I was lucky to find find my way into sponsored rides. And this is all I know. And so when that wreck happened, I had already had a big one in 2002. I had a big wreck in a Toyota Atlantic car. Um, 
trying to make my way to IndyCars and, and on a, at Milwaukee Oval, I had a failure in the right rear and hit straight in, broke my three vertebrae, my legs, tailbone off, ribs, everything. Oh my gosh. And so then four years later, I had that big one in the BMW and, and I only really had just a, I was just knocked out and that was it. Otherwise I was okay. And, um, yeah, I'd already got my mind around it after that big one I had in 2002. And once you can get your mind around a, a wreck, you that's the big thing. And for me, it was, believe it or not, my, my, the way I got around it is, well, I survived that one that most people thought I wouldn't survive. I pretty much survived most of them then, I would guess. So, um, And the fact that I only... I don't know anything else, you know. I don't want to go. I don't want to really go clean pools because I can't even keep my own pool from turning green. So <laughs> that's not it for me. Gotcha. So you know, you just gotta have. You just gotta find a way, whatever it is, to get your mind around it. But you know, it's definitely hard. Like you mentioned, my son's racing, and it's when you see your son out there. I've helped a lot of kids in my life. When you when you see your son out there, it really changes um, your your heart rate. I'll tell you that. So yes. You know what can happen. Um, he doesn't necessarily know. I mean, I've always said one of the the, the unfair advantage in racing is has has never wrecked. So mm-hmm. when you've never wrecked, you just don't know, and that and that's the best thing you can have for as long as you can keep it that way. But um, you know, we'll see how see how he what he thinks of it. You know, we we have a lot of friends in in, in all different kinds of racing, Indy cars and sprint cars, and you know, we see people get you know people are getting hurt. Yes. You know, every once in a while, unfortunately, and, and that's just the way it is. You make a choice. So, so yes. far, I still choose to race. We'll see Nick. how that uh, continues on. And so far, I still continue to race. And yes. I don't, uh, don't plan on changing that either. Um, now we know a little bit about you. Your father uh, was a, a race car driver, and you are, and, and your son. So that's three generations. Are you aware that it goes back further than that? And um, I, I, I just think it's neat that uh, there's a three generation family that's that. That does this, and and uh, what else do you know about your family? Does there's a legacy um, further back than that? The Weekly Driver podcast gets support from AmericanMuscle.com, your late model Mustang and F-150 authority, bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade. No one makes it easier to modify your ride. Visit AmericanMuscle.com today. No, my dad started it. Uh, mm-hmm. His dad wasn't really into it mm-hmm. at all. I mean, his dad supported it when he, I mean, I guess my dad's first car was when he could buy it. He, he got a street stock for racing over at um, West Capitol, yes. which isn't there anymore. West Capitol Speedway, you guys probably know of it, being yes. in Sacramento. And, yes. Um, and then Placerville and Petaluma and Grass Valley and all these dirt tracks. And he just went up and, you know, he was working, uh, he was a young business owner and of his own and was working restaurants and stuff and and just wanted to race and I think his dad kind of thought oh that's not uh he didn't I don't think his dad was was that into it but he supported it so um yeah I mean my dad was a local dirt track guy he raced you know all the way up to when I was a kid you know I grew up when I was two years old I was at the dirt track and pretty much every year until I started racing I was at the dirt track so um I grew up around it but the difference was you couldn't drive to your 16 those days, you know? So mm-hmm. I was just waiting my turn to, to be able to drive. And I thought, man, it's going to be a long time. I got until I'm 16 years old, geez. Mm-hmm. So um, it was cool to be able to find go-karts when I was younger. And, and my dad was into it and kind of over the dirt track stuff and we went racing then. But, you know, my son, it's really neat to have, you know, my dad and I did a lot of karting. I mean, a lot. Mm-hmm. And we did it all. Our, we traveled the country. We drove to New York, Florida, 
all over the country, me and my dad, mm-hmm. or me and my family, um, and we we learned a lot doing our doing our own. So now my son's racing carts. Um, you know, it's nice to have my dad because when I'm racing, you know, like this year, probably five times, my dad's taking my son to the races, and my wife helps out obviously also, but he's there and he knows I don't have to worry about it. It's not like I got to teach him what to do. I mean, he, he tuned for me, he worked on my stuff. So now he's able to just, you know, do the same thing I can. So I get everything prepped, get everything aimed out, get the truck and trailer aimed out. And my dad hops in and they go racing when I'm not here. So it's really cool to have. And my dad is a different type of person than me. I focus on the driving and the, you know, kind of like the fine tuning. I'm always working on the chassis. And then my dad will say, uh, did you think about this? And it's one of those things that's so simple and just sitting right there in front of your face. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's it's nice to have both of our versions there. And I think my son gets a lot out of it. It's, you know, for me, the time you spend, I think racing is a great family sport, um, especially karting. And so, you know, we have everybody out there. My daughter's out there helping. My wife's there. My grand, my mom, my dad, and everybody. So that's great. It's, and, uh, and you're still it's learning. Cool you're, you're, I, it, your dad's still teaching. That's great. Um, Bruce, yeah, he's, he's constantly teaching. You can't <laughs> beat my son. Whether you want it or not. <laughs> I'm sure he gets it gets old, but you know he's always got somebody telling him something. I mean that's it's good and it's bad because sometimes you just got to let him be. But a lot of times, you know, it's you know I'm I I do it every week, so it'd be like having a professional baseball coach with you every time you hit the baseball field you know he's always going to give you a piece of advice where constructive criticism or whatever you're going to get something so and that's how i roll i give him something every time he comes in that's great speaking about uh, peers and and talking things over now you're into this uh um endurance stuff that's 24 hours and so you have co-drivers how, how much exchange yeah. of knowledge and and what's going on and hashing it out and, you know, goes on between your co-drivers? Oh, a ton. And, you know, the big thing is it, you having a co-driver that you really get along with and you respect, is a, it goes a long way, as I'm going to tell you, because you you can make so much more progress. Luckily, my co-driver, Dirk Mueller, we've been together even since we were at BMW uh, in 2009. And so... We've raced, we've won a championship together, we've won Le Mans together, Daytona, Daytona together, we've won a lot of races together, and we're, we're friends off the track, uh, have a ton of respect for each other off the track, he's a, he's a family guy, his daughter's doing horses, they live in Switzerland, you know, so he's, he's always helping her, I'm always karting, and we always have something to talk about, we eat a lot of Mexican food on the road, that's our big thing, we always <laughs> we eat Mexican food almost every night, we're always, our game is to find the best one in the country. I want to so, come, can I well, invite ourselves along, that yeah. sounds great. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, trust me, we've, we've found some great places across this country, so, and one, the best one though is right in Elk Grove, my home, my, my favorite Mexican is right here in, wow. in our hometown Elk Grove, but, um, yeah, I mean it's, you know, you, you have to have, the thing about endurance racing is that when I get out, he's getting in. And, you know, people forget about that. In IndyCar and NASCAR, the seat is fitted for you. The car is set up for you. The steering wheel is where you want it. Everything's for you. We have to compromise, and you have to be able to compromise to to have a fast race car and to win races. Because if I make the car perfect for me, and it's not that good for Dirk, and he's finishing the race, well, what's the point? He's not going to he's not gonna be able to win the race, and vice versa. And so we always are thinking, we, we just always are thinking about, each other when we're in the car so you know i like in our case specifically i like a car that's a little bit 
pushy, a little bit more understeer, and dirt flex cars a little more oversteer, but we have to have a compromise. So when I'm driving, if, I, if the car's got a lot of understeer, I'm like, man, this is not going to be good for dirt. I'll start, even though if I can drive it, I'll start tuning it towards more towards Dirk's way just so that we can get, get going faster. You know, these weekends, it's so competitive on these weekends. You get three practice sessions, and then you qualify. And they're only an hour long, and it goes by so fast. When you think about putting two guys in the car every time, it goes by even faster. And so um, these weekends, I would say the first one fast is the guy that will win. You know, somebody's going to get it figured out quick in the other, and then at the end of the weekend, you go, oh, man, if we'd only done this, right? Yes, well, the first true. one fast, the first one that does that is going to be the guy that has the best chance to win. So you got to really, really, really uh, hit your marks when you're throughout the whole weekend, not just on the racetrack, but with your teammate and, and the feedback you give to your engineer and then you, what your engineer does. It's a, it's a huge, huge team effort. Um, and, you know, a lot of people just see that, you know, last 10 laps of the one guy that's finishing the car or whatever and go, wow, that was, that was awesome. But uh, there's a lot that goes into that. Hey, a quick diversion. I, I thought of something. Uh not be, having ever been in a race car or experiencing that, but I've seen movies, whether it was the movie about um, Sentna or the Ron Howard film in recent years, whatever line yeah. of work whatever line of work you're in, is, if you're a journalism person and you see a journalism movie or you're in some other occupation, a lawyer, and you see a lawyer movie, have you seen race car movies? Uh, and do you, do you go to them? And if you have seen them, did, what ones did you, did you like, just out of a curiosity? Well, I... Uh... <laughs> I'm a big comedy guy, so oh. I've seen I've seen a lot of them. I mean, like you know, we call Talladega Nights a racing movie. That's my favorite. Yeah, there you go. I'm a big Will Ferrell fan, so I've <laughs> seen that. I like that. I think it's funny. It's yeah, you know, it's corny, but it's funny at times. Yes. But um, you know, of course, I saw Days. We as a racing family, we saw Days of Thunder. What came out in '89? We saw the first night it came out. It's the only time I've been to the movies with my with my dad. Um, and my mom at the same time, and as a family, and we did the drive-ins over there on Bradshaw. In oh, that's great! That <laughs> sure, yes. and uh, one of the few left. Did the, the drive-ins the first night Days of Thunder came out, and um, I never forget that. I always remember that. Loved that movie, still do. Um, but I saw the Senna one too, which was was interesting, and um, I saw the one the uh, oh man, was with James Hunt and yes the. Uh, Nikki Lada. Right? Yeah, Nikki Lada. I can't, I can't remember. What was that called? Anyway, yes. I saw that one too, and it was just some interesting stuff. I mean, I, in my time in Ford, um, I've, I've been able, you know, seen some more documentaries and things, but the, the history of this Ford GT that we race and what happened in the 60s with the Ford GT40, yes. um, there's some pretty pretty cool history there in books and in video that um, that people would be very interested in just how it all came down in the '60s with Enzo Ferrari and Henry Ford. Yes. Um, and then, you know, to have Ford win in '66, and the whole reason we're racing this Ford GT now is because they wanted to come back 50 years later, on the 50th anniversary of that '66 win at Le Mans, mm -hmm. and try and win again in 2016. And against the odds, we won 2016 at Le Mans on the 50th anniversary. Which, by the way, a little fun fact, is the exact day 50 years later. Fantastic. So wow. Years the day that we won. I had no and idea. And we beat a Ferrari. A Ferrari got second. Yeah, so, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't pre-write a book like that, and, uh, and, and they did, and, and we did. And so pretty cool history there that I've you know, been able to be a part of. And, and 
on that note, our, our car that we won with in 2016 is actually in the Henry Ford Museum, um, and there's no plans for, on it leaving. So, you know, when you, when you talk about my son, my daughter, my family, one of the things I always want to do is, you know, more than anything is, is just be in the history books, you know, like mm-hmm. win races, win big races, win championships, and that way, years later, even my grandkids might look up and go, oh, my, my dad or my grandpa was a, was a pretty pretty badass race car driver that's that's all i'm looking for that's cool i, I know that uh, bruce was close to uh his father and i was close to my father and and uh, not as a professional athlete but you know little league and stuff like that and when you when you talk about fathers and and now with your son it, it's it's a soft spot so i think it's it's fantastic when um you know you can share that stuff and i still remember some of the lessons that my dad taught me, you know, they come up all the time in Little League Baseball and, and other sports that I played. It was it was fantastic to have that relationship. So um, I really appreciate that, and I'm sure Bruce does too, just hearing about all that great stuff. Oh, boy. Yeah, dogs, dogs are getting mad. Hey. Um, yeah, it, is, it totally is, and that's, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I remember so many things from what my dad would tell me and... Um, I, I pass them on to my son, you know, I mean, one of the things that we, me and my dad always said was, you know, when you pass, when you get to them, pass them. You don't want to, you don't want somebody to, to figure out you're there. It's much easier to pass somebody when, when they don't know you're there. Right. Yes. So yes. I always, I tell him that all the time. He, he, he and he gets sick, gets sick of hearing it, but you know, um, one of the big things is I think being a race car driver is, is being a good racer and a lot of racing is passing. And, um, so that's one of the things my dad was really, really big about, you know, getting to the front and, you know, being aggressive. And, and, uh, so my dad and I, are t- my dad aren't telling him the same thing now. He's probably, probably heard it enough. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, that's a perfect place for us to, uh, wrap up the episode, this episode, episode number 51 of the weekly driver podcast. Joey, uh, I know I've learned a bunch in the last uh, 25, 30 minutes. Thank you so much for, for being our guest. We encourage people, Absolutely. if they haven't planned to go down to Laguna Seca yet, to, to drive down um, and uh, take in the, the, the weekend of racing on September 7th through 9th. And, you know, we, we are, we're, a, we're a local guys, so we're, we'll be pulling for you, of course. And, uh, again, we want to thank Joey Hand for being our guest today on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Joey, thank you, and best of luck. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye now. The Weekly Driver Podcast is presented by americantrucks.com. americantrucks.com is staffed by passionate professionals who thrive to provide you with the best Ford F150, Dodge Ram 1500, Chevrolet Silverado 1500, and GMC Sierra 1500 aftermarket parts and accessories, all available at the best prices. Visit www.americantrucks.com. The Weekly Driver Podcast also gets support from the podcast Off Track. James Hinchcliffe and Alexander Rossi, top drivers in the Verizon IndyCar series, are co-hosts of the Pop Culture and General Interest Sports Podcast. They provide unique perspectives as drivers racing their way to the upper echelon of open-wheel racing. Guests include top performers in many industries, including John Green, Pat McAfee, Tony Stewart, and Jeff Ross. Hincliffe and Rossi, who have also been reality TV stars, discuss their whirlwind schedule and provide racing updates. Listen to Off Track today on Apple iTunes and on all other major podcast platforms.